You know, we are so blessed as a church and as a nation to be able to come together um, with the freedom we do to worship the Lord and just to be able to say, thank you, Lord. Amen? Amen. We're going to transition into our three-ish things. I have Michael to uh, come and to help me with it. Michael's on the missions committee, and uh, he has a portfolio of... I'm the uh, liaison with uh, Cowichan Valley Basket Society. Of course, that name, I had no idea what it means. It's really the food bank in Duncan. Excellent. And so this, uh, for the next few weeks, we are doing initiative and in for and with, and so we are collecting, if you want to contribute, some items. So why don't you just share what that looks like? Okay. So I travel a lot, and I stay in a lot of hotels, and at home... I have this large collection of little hotel soaps and shampoos. Now, travel may not be your thing, but you do go to the dentist. And so next time, after your cleaning and the dental hygienist says, would you like some toothpaste or a toothbrush? You generally say no, because you have tons of these things at home. Next time, say yes. And join me in bringing all these things here to New Life, and in the uh, lobby there are two baskets for, uh, for donations, and just bring them in any time that you have a large, large supply or just a small supply, it would be really useful. So for people who find themselves homeless, being able to have things that fit in your pocket is extremely useful. It's a real blessing. So church, let's bless those that we don't even know because God loves them dearly. In fact, he loves all of us dearly. And we're going to learn to love like he does. Thank you. Thank you, Michael. Um, I would also say, as you begin to go through your closets, as the weather cools down a little bit in the evening, uh, and you go, man, I haven't worn this jacket in a while, or I haven't put this sweater on for a while. I don't think I'm going to. Would you would you consider bringing that here and donating it? Um, if you're looking and going and buying some socks or some underwear, buy an extra pair, buy an extra package, and uh, donate that. And that's going to go out to uh, what Pierre does. It's going to go out to the mental health. And so these are ways in which we can just get back into our community and uh, speak a witness to our community. So that's the first thing on the three-ish thing. Second thing is we had our AGM. That was on Monday night, and uh, it, was a, it was a good time. We had a good crew out. We passed the budget, which was great. Uh, we had an opportunity to look back on our ministries. We had an opportunity to look forward in what is to come. Um, but we also voted on our elders, and we had three names forward. One was Shannon. Uh, yeah. yeah. You're excited about that one. Way to, way to go. Shannon Williams, uh, she, she is renewing her term, and so uh, that came forward. Then also, we had two new names, and we had Tracy Bassinet and Megan Searle. And if you ladies would just stand up so people can see. Yeah. <clears throat> so both of, these, both of these ladies were uh, voted on to be elders for a three-year term, and we're excited to have them. We will bring up our, our entire elder board in about two weeks, where we have an opportunity to pray as a church for them as, as uh, they give leadership in their area. So we're happy about that.
Our last item of our three-ish things is that New Life Young Adults is changed its, its night. It used to be on Fridays. It's now Mondays. It's from 6 to 6.15 to 8.30. You can see it up there, dinner, uh, connection time in the foyer. So meet here tomorrow at 6.15. So if you fit into that category, um, if you think you fit into that category, come. If you want to fit in that category, and it's been years since you have, probably don't come. <laughs> uh, and so I have one, I have one last thing. that, that um, Last week, we had a group from Cape and Ray, and um, this week we have almost a new group. There's a few, a few returnees, but um, hey, you group from Cape and Ray, guys, I mean, we are just filling up these two rows here. Stand up. Great to, great to have you. And um, they are from uh, across Canada, from uh, Nova Scotia, I think. Is that right? Uh, Saskatchewan, Ontario, um, Alberta, BC. We're just across, the, across there. So, and, you know, if you want to look back here, there's this bald dude back there. His name is Ken. He's going to be teaching you this week. All right? So you can have a seat. <clears throat> Well, that's, uh, that's all we have for our three-ish things. I'm going to pass it on to Alana, and we have a community story that we're going to do. Good morning. Greg, why don't you come on up and join me? My name's Alana. If you don't know who I am, I'm part of the staff team here. And I get to introduce a new member to you today, which is always exciting. This is Greg Candy. Everybody say hi, Greg. Hi, Greg. <laughs> Greg's really excited to be up front. Have a seat. We'll be kind. Um, you know, sometimes I get the question, depending what environment you are familiar with in the church, um, church membership may be completely normal for you, but sometimes it isn't, and people ask, why, why do we become members? And it's not just because you get voting power at the AGM. There's actually a lot more to it. But I found this thing, and I just want to read it for you guys. I'll probably say it every time that we do membership, because I just... I. I think it really explains and describes what is the point of membership in your church. And it's an opportunity for us to grasp hold of each other in responsibility and love. By identifying ourselves with a particular church, we let the pastors and the other members of that church know that we intend to be committed in attendance, in giving, in prayer, and in service. And then we allow our fellow believers to expect that of us. Um, and we also make it known that we're being responsible to this church. Um, we assure the church of our commitment to Christ in serving with them, and we call for their commitment to serve and encourage us as well. So it's really, it's a, it's a joining together in relationship and in community and membership. So, Greg, you've uh, answered some questions and, and done a bunch of things, but I'm going to ask you to just share really briefly in probably a minute or less... <laughs> Is that possible? She, she knows I talk a lot. Yeah. Um, how, just your coming to faith journey. Okay. So um, my family and I arrived in Canada in 1993. Uh, wife, two children. Um, we ended up in Port Alberni. Um, we were non-believers. Uh, I don't think we even talked about church. 
And uh, we met some people who invited us to their church. And we thought, hmm, this is not a bad way to meet people anyway. So we kind of went along. And then we kind of joined a, a little beginner's Bible group, for want of a better word. And the, the pastor was running it. And I really liked it. And then um, at the same time, our lives were just a complete mess. I mean, everything was going wrong. And we thought, well... You know, we're going to end up, you know, a year after getting here, um, you know, basically on the streets. Anyway, but every time something kind of went right and it just, and I realized, you know, I thought I was in control of my life, but clearly someone else had the helm and I didn't know who it was at the same time we were doing this church thing. Anyway, one night I decided, well, I, I'll just chance it and I'll say, Ask God, if you're there, just kind of give me some kind of sign. And yeah, that night he spoke to me and yeah, I was left in no doubt. And that was it, pretty much. <laughs> you know, I needed a bit of a bang on the head, but there we go. <laughs> That's great. Um, thank you. And one other question, <laughs> I know, is um, what is something that God is teaching you now or more recently? Um. I think two main things. One is I spent, for me, the Bible a lot of the time was kind of a, like a, a history story. It didn't really seem to be, you know, that real to me. But more recently, as I've kind of, I guess, journeyed much closer to the Holy Spirit, it's, a lot, it's become a lot more real. And now I look forward to actually my daily devotion as opposed to feeling it's more like a chore. And I think that's one thing. And I think also the other thing is I realized that the closer I walk with the Holy Spirit and the more there is of the Holy Spirit and the less there is of Greg, um, the better a person I am and the less uh, anxiety and stress I have. I'm just more, you know, relaxed. Yeah. That's great. Last question. What's a favorite verse or Bible passage? Yeah. Psalm 23. That's good. Thanks. Um, we have a page on our website where you can go and you can read Greg's testimony if you'd like to, to get to know him a little better. He's, you've been a part of New Life for roughly 18 years, right? Yeah, so yeah, you're not necessarily, more than that. <laughs> not necessarily new to the church, but we um, want to welcome you into membership now. Thank you for joining us on this journey. Yeah. It's great. Um, yeah, check out his testimony online. And let me just pray for you and uh, for the church here. So God, we, we thank you that we, um, we are one body here together. We are your body in this valley, and we, um, we're glad that Greg is joining that body. Lord, I pray that as we journey together, we would um, grow together, that we would um, encourage one another and lift one another up in, in your name. Thank you, Father. Amen. I had the privilege of doing, uh, going through Alpha with Greg and, um, <clears throat> and really got to know him and was blessed by his, his, his interaction. So if you ever get a chance to be in a small group with him, you will not, uh, you will not miss out. It's got a lot to offer. Well, church, uh, man, I was telling, uh, I was telling the crew here today before we started, I have so much 
in me that I want to share that I'm finding it hard to get it reduced down and, uh, and, and get it out. And I, I don't want it to be verbal diarrhea out to you. That's not good. Um, so I'm going to try to do my job here and, uh, and share, share what's on my heart. But before I do, you might have noticed that I told you we're going to get books. And the books have come in, and I am so excited. There are five books out there that you should look at uh, at least one of the five. So I'm going to start off with this one. I actually don't have very many copies of this, but this is Dallas Willard, in the, uh, Renovation of the Heart. And I can tell you that this one here is a great one if you just want to read through it slowly and make notes and just digest it. Um, I get through probably like three or four pages uh, a day. That's it but I'm so enjoying this book here. So this is Dallas Willard, and this is on transformation. Excellent book. Uh, this book here is Invitation to the Journey. That is the title that we're using for this series. Uh, this is also a really great book. It's kind of the basics of what it means to be transformed, how to go about it, um, understanding you, who you are, uh, and how that works in your life and in your world. So another great book. I'm also reading this one slowly, a little bit not as thick, but um, uh, getting through that one. And then The Emotionally Healthy Discipleship. This is the one that Alicia uh, mentioned and that she, Alicia, whew, my goodness. She's probably going to fire me. <laughs> All right. Um, she recommended this book, and this is a very, very good book, and I would encourage you also to pick it up. Now, I say the last two because uh, this is the one that Phil mentioned. It's actually the thinnest book, which is great, right? Um, it's called The Gift of Being Yourself. It may be thin, but it is power-packed, wouldn't you say, Phil? Now, what Phil and I are going to do, um, this is a book I recommended, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. What Phil and I are going to do is that we are going to start a book club. And if you are wanting to read a, this book with community, then we want to invite you to pick up one of these books, or you can pick them both up, and then join Phil and I on reading it together and discussing it. Uh, we'll be starting in a couple weeks, and if you want to join then you just need to sign up at the back or you can go and um, go to the website and you can go to the events and you can sign up for, for one of the two book clubs. And we're going to do it on Zoom. And that way we don't have to leave home, but it gives us an opportunity to go through and to talk about it. So these two books uh, also recommended. Got a good price. You won't get it any cheaper than right here at newlife.com. CA, uh, I'm doing well, aren't I? <laughs> so, uh, here we are this morning, and an uh, opportunity for us to continue to travel on our invitation to a journey. And so as we are going through this, it is really, the invitation is to follow the call that Jesus has for us to come follow me. It is, it is what he gave to his disciples and is what he gives to us today. And it is in that following him that it is a, it is a transformation is a process 
which happens within us so that we reflect the image of Christ that we may serve others. It is probably the most difficult journey that you and I will ever venture down the path on. This concept of dying to self, which Jesus teaches, can cause us to nod our head and go, yep, I agree. We need to die to self. (laughs) But agreeing and practicing it are two different things. And it is very hard. The appetite of the flesh is ferocious. Let me say that again. The appetite of the flesh, who you are, the self, is ferocious. When our consumption of the world is greater than our surrender to the Lord, it can become a losing battle to die to self. So how do we, how do we not have the, the consumption of the world become greater than the surrender to the Lord? What do we do? Many times I have preached this, I have taught this, that, you know, here you have God's word, the inspiration. I'm going to give you information, which is important. That's what we're doing here today. And I'll tell you now, go do it in your willpower that you're going to see change. But if you've been like me, my willpower just seems to give out about 10 o'clock. And that dessert that is so good, that night... I'm eating it again by 10 o'clock. So I need something more than willpower. We need Jesus Christ. But I think the greatest misunderstanding which has come about in the last 60 or 70 years is our focus of getting people into heaven. I want to show us a quote here in a moment. And this quote, I think, will be maybe controversial for some. And for others like me, I had to kind of sit on it a little bit and go, what is he saying? So follow along with me. The fundamental mistake of much of the Western churches is that it takes as its basic goal is to get as many people possible ready to die and go to heaven. Its aim is to get people into heaven rather than to get heaven into people. And this requires that these people who are going to be in must be right on what is basic. And can you quarrel with that? But it turns out that to be right on the basic is to be right of a particular church vessel or tradition in question. Not in terms of Christ-likeness. I want to come back to what I highlighted up there, which is the aim to get people into heaven rather than to get heaven into people. I really had to sit and ponder about that, and and, and what does that look like? As I thought about that, I came to going, hey, I remember when I was a kid in elementary school, uh, my, my teacher, one of my teachers was reading Willy Wonka in a Chocolate Factory. Great book. Man, we begged her, one more chapter, one more chapter. If you're a teacher and you read books, you know exactly what I mean, right? Even today, reading books in school, you can capture the mind of a child. And we beg, we beg her and she would somehow read maybe another chapter. And then the movie came out, the 1971 movie of Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. 
And there's a scene in there that I want to play you, play for you. It's Charlie getting the ticket. He, get, he finds the last golden ticket. Why don't we play that right now? Now you're going to go home and watch <laughs> Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Make sure you watch 1971. It's the best movie. It's the best version. You know, this, this scene, I think, actually a little bit depicts where we've been and coming back to um, this quote here, the aim is to get people into heaven. It's like we want them to get the golden ticket. And then we, we want them to punch that golden ticket by coming to church every Sunday, and reading their Bible, and we tell them, pray when you're in need. I agree fully that we need to be in church. I believe that we need to be reading our Bibles. I believe that we need to be praying. But it's not a golden ticket. The aim is not to get to heaven. The aim, the invitation that Jesus has given you and I is to receive heaven into us, to be transformed, to be more like him. How many of us sit here with, with something in our life in which we, we try to shake the anger, the impatience, pornography, lying, cheating, discouragement, gossip? I mean, I can... We can go down through the list, but you sit here and you, you go, I, I so much want to shake that. I so much want to get that monkey off my back. And again, you know, it's like, it's like that, that, that dessert. You do well for two, three weeks, four weeks, five weeks, and you're thinking, yeah, and then all of a sudden, it just, you've been there, it just overwhelmingly hits you, and what do you do? You find yourself back there again. Is there any hope? I believe there's tremendous hope. And the hope is the Christ in us. So, what does Dallas Willard mean when he says getting heaven into people? Turn in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 4. 
Any, got any more people bring their Bibles more than what I said last time? All right, I, I'll quit. I'll quit on that. Um, so if you have your Bibles, turn here in your Bibles. I'm going to be reading from uh, the English Standard Version. It's up here too. And so starting in verse four, further in verse 22, it says, Put off the old self which belongs to the former, uh, former manner of life and its corruption through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of the mind, and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in its true righteousness and holiness. It is this very act of, of taking off and putting on, that it is a practice of laying it down, of letting it go, and in, in it, you're, what are you doing? You're picking something up. And it's not you, it's Christ. There are times that people, you know, I, I think I've mentioned this before, I've got to say it again. You know, if you're a person that, that you know, I need more patience. I know I need more patience. And so you pray, God, <laughs> give me more patience. And we say, ooh, be careful because things are going to happen. Right? You're going to get all kinds of things that are going to create you to have to have patience. And I think, you bet it's going to happen. Because I, I believe that our prayer is not what we should be praying. I believe that if you're an impatient person, you need, to be, you need to have patience. But not your patience. Because your patience is like willpower. It will run out. But the fruit of the Spirit is what? Patience. That's part of the fruit of the Spirit. The whole package is patience. And when we pray, Lord, I need your patience. I need your Spirit in me so that I can live out your patience. What do you think our good Father is going to do? I think he's going to give us all his patience that we need. We may have to come and continue to surrender and allow our, our self to be crucified of why we're impatient. We need to ask ourselves the question, why am I impatient? But I believe that our good Heavenly Father is going to give us good gifts, good things from above. He's not going to hold back his patience or his love that I need for people. And so this is the putting off. I'm going to set down my impatience and I'm going to take up not my patience, but his patience. I release my impatience. I release my anger. I release it to the Lord. So I want to circle back to where I started in this journey and this invitation. And that is to silence. I want us to come back to silence. And I think there's something there within silence that is important. It kind of becomes the base of how I can put off. So if you have your Bibles, turn again to Mark chapter 6. Mark chapter 6. If you were to read to what's taking place prior to this, Jesus sends out the disciples and they go do ministry. And there are great things that are happening. And we're going to pick it up in verse 30. And it says that the disciples returned to Jesus, 
told him all that they had done and taught. And he said to them, come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest a while. For many were coming and going, and they, and they had no leisure even to eat. And when they went away into the boat to a desolate place by themselves. Jesus, over six times we see that he, he purposely goes away and he creates space for some silence and solitude. And here with his disciples, he says to them, you need to slip away. It's been busy. It's been crazy. And if I was to ask you, how is how's life going? You'd often tell me, man, I'm so busy. When I think about what was happening, or let me, let me share this. Um, because this is, I, I love this definition of silence. Silence is fasting from speaking to hear from God. Isn't that good? Silence is fasting from speaking to hear from God. And as I think about what was happening when Jesus' time, when he tells the disciples that they need to slip away, they need to have some quiet time, some time alone, this is what wasn't happening. There was no newspapers, no magazines, no radio, no billboards, no TV entertainment, no internet, no social media, no smartphones. None of that was happening when Jesus said to them, go and slip away. But this is all in our life, every day. All of this stuff, all of this information is in our life, every day. And if the disciples didn't have this, and yet Jesus said to them, you need to have some silence and solitude, what do you think we need today? I think we need it even more in our life than ever. Because not only do we have an external noise around us, we have internal noises. I know I do in my life. My thoughts are noisy. What I think of a situation going on in my life, what I think about other people, my desires and my lusts are noisy what I want to buy, what I think I need to have, what I see others have and I think I need or want, actually what I need. My will is noisy. What will make me happy? What I need to do for myself? What will bring me pleasure? The internal noise. Silence is fasting from speaking. It quiets the internal part of who we are. Those external stimuli become quiet. Those internal proclivities, that's going to be smart there. Can't even say the word. Those internal noises. When we become silent, it allows us to stop the noise. At least we'll try. So silence is the fasting from speaking to hear from God. Mulholland goes on to say, silence is bringing ourselves to a point of relinquishing to God our control of our relationship with him. Isn't that interesting? 
Because all I'm doing is coming and talking to God. I'm trying to control my relationship with him. But when I am silent, I am actually sitting there saying, God, to speak, show me. So he goes on to say, silence is the reversal of the whole processing, controlling, grasping dynamic of trying to maintain control of our own existence. Silence is the inner act of letting go. And so it is important that we engage daily in silence. I challenge you, just on this one, you say, I don't have time. I don't have time for 10 minutes of silence a day. Do you know you have 1,440 minutes an entire day? Yep, take sleeping out, take workout, take these things out. You still have a lot of minutes in a day. And you, if you just set this down, just set it down and do 10 minutes less, you will find 10 minutes to sit in silence with God. Not asking for anything, just sitting in his presence, seeking, enjoying. Mahon says, when we do, it's good for us to do this. Simply sit there, begin our time, and say, free me from care for myself. God, I just, I just sit and I want to release the control of me trying to control myself. Silence slows us down. In the busyness of our culture where we desire to have more time, don't you wish you just had another extra hour, an extra five minutes, an extra day? In busyness, the culture that we're in wants us to have more stuff, to look better, to feel good about ourselves, to become a better you. And if we don't quiet the noise of the world in those areas, we will allow that to dictate us and not what is in us, the power of God. So silence slows us down. And when we slow down in silence, we hear less of me and I hear more of God. You know, the disciples, they did slow down. Because if you kept on reading, what happened? The people. So what happened here? The people surmised where they were going to be and they took the long route around on the lake to get there before the disciples and Jesus got to the other side. What does that say? It means that they literally found a place where they could find some solitude and silence, and in that, they found rest. Rest. When I was a kid, my dad would often say to me that the shortest way between point A and point B is a straight line. The disciples didn't take the shortest way. They could have, but they didn't. So what is the result? Um, Mark, I missed a whole slide. The result of silence is this, is that we will hear God's voice to set down the things of this world, my pride, my insecurities, my hurt, my possessions, my power, my position. 
You know, I, I shared a couple of weeks ago about my insecurity of how I apologize for going long. I'm not going to apologize today. And I, my insecurity is this, is that I don't want you to think ill of me. I don't want you to think bad of me. And I have this people-pleasing side that, that when I live in it, it's not good. It's not good. It's not honest. And you think about it. If you're in school and you're in, no matter, high school, if you're in school, think about how you function there, how you interact. What do you want from your fellow students? What do you need? What do you need in the workplace? What do you want from those that you work with? What do you want from those in your neighborhood? And do what you want, is it coming out of your insecurity that they'll feed that insecurity? And so what you do and how you act and what you say, it really is manipulating, trying to manipulate the situation for your good? Or are you surrendered? Michael Card, um, he's an old dude now. He's like me, doesn't have hair. Uh, he's written a song called The Things You Leave Behind. And there's a line in it. I love it. He says, every heart needs to be set free from the possessions that it holds so tight. Because freedom's not found in the things that we own. It's in the power to do what is right. Jesus, our only possession. Giving becomes our delight. We can't imagine the freedom we find from the things we leave behind. When I engage in fasting from speaking, I can hear God. And he begins to speak to me that I need to put off and what I need to put on. So, this is what we're going to do this morning. We're going to practice a little bit of silence. Now, we're not going to do 10 minutes. That would be awkward, really awkward. But I do want us to practice a little bit of silence together. Two or three minutes is all. Probably enough to that it feels awkward. I have found more peace in my life, in the last couple of months, by engaging in a period of silence. I hunger for it now. I can't, I, I usually do my time, my, my office time with God in my office, and I can't get here quick enough. And I start off, and you may not feel comfortable today because, well, you're in church and, you know, it kind of feels weird to do this, but... I literally sit like this, or I sit like this, my hands open. And why? Because I want to show a posture of being surrendered to God. And so as we sit here, if you feel comfortable, I would just encourage you to just sit with your hands open. And you would close your eyes and take a couple deep breaths. And as you sit here, not, for not to be distracted, I would encourage you to think about who God is, his grace, his love, his forgiveness, how powerful he is, how mighty he is, how he is a king and a Lord, the Lord, the king. As we come to the communion table, it is a time for us to celebrate what Christ has done, 
we need to do it with hearts and hands that are clean before him. And so as you sit there, if your mind wanders a little bit, that's fine. Just bring it back onto point. And then as you sit there after a minute, just say, Lord, is there anything you need to remind me of? Jillian did a great job of doing that already, but is there anything you need to remind me of? Where did I blow it? The way I spoke to my parents, at work, driving, the kids. Where do I need to make amends with a family member, a fellow student, where I gossip, coworkers, employees? Just allow the Spirit to speak to you. Then confess it and surrender it to God. So we're going to take about two minutes to do this. And then we will move into communion. So join me right now. Just a posture of God before God of silence. Oh, Father, you are in heaven, and holy is your name. Lord, I thank you that you are with us. As we come to this table of remembrance of what Jesus has done, of dying on the cross, of sacrificing his life 
that we are set free. Lord, forgive us where we are trying to control our lives and the situations around us. We would find ourselves in a place of willing to surrender control to you. Lord, that we would have time to hear you speak and enjoy your presence in a very hurried and rushed world that we live in. Father, you have done so much for us. And as we partake in remembrance of Jesus' sacrifice, oh Lord, that we will allow it to transform us into your people in this church, in this valley, for your good purposes. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.